Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, hosted by two entrepreneurs, Chris Beoso and Armando Pantoja. Tune in to learn more about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. All right, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another podcast episode. I'm super excited about today's podcast because we have another guest on the podcast. A little bit about our guest today. She is a Puerto Rican Dominican publicist who is based out of uh, based out of New York City. Um, she is a founder of Creative Voices PR, a marketing communication plus public relations agency, and she's been. She's doing some great things. She's been featured on Forbes, NBC News, USA Today, and some other major publications out there. Welcome, Madeline Familia. How are you doing today? Hi. Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for jumping on the podcast. Like we were kind of talking before I hit record. We really appreciate you jumping on. Um, And yeah, we're super excited to, to hear your story and eventually talk about some of the things that you got going on. Um. But yeah, with that being said, love to to jump into your background. Like I said, you are based out of New York City. Um, a lot of our listeners are from New York City. We got a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominican listeners for, on the podcast. Uh, would love to know about your background and you growing up and whatnot. I know, what was it last week when we were on the phone, you were yeah. telling me some pretty crazy things about your story and yeah. about your, the school system and whatnot. I would love for you to jump into some of those things. Um, yeah, for absolutely. The audience. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I'm from New York, but specifically the Bronx. So mm-hmm. uh, as you know, the Bronx is a huge uh, Hispanic population. So I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York, um, lived there for most of my life. Right now I'm actually in the Barrio area, East Harlem um, of New York City. So I still kind of stayed within my community. Um, so a little bit about my background. My mother's from Puerto Rico and my father is from the Dominican Republic. They came to the U.S., um, I would say in their late 20s, early 30s. So they came here pretty, pretty late in their life um, for the most part. So um, they came here um, without speaking any English. So they're completely like full blown Hispanic, no English at all. Spanish was my first language. Um, I grew up with, grow up, grew up specifically in ESL. So you might hear some mm-hmm. Spanglish here and there, yeah, some, some vowels, <laughs> some, I mix up my vowels from, yeah. for the most part. So you'll hear that in my language, um, but I've embraced it as who it is. I am who I am. So, yeah, um, yeah so I uh, grew up in the Bronx, um, went to public school, um, so, um, was educated through the public school system mm-hmm. in New York City. Um, and then we can kind of dive into that a little bit. But then got into the Fashion Institute of Technology where I studied advertising and marketing communications specifically um, and kind of started working within the marketing communications field um, for um, the entirety of my of my career for the most part. Um, I started working uh, in throughout several different PR agencies in New York and in-house. I started at um, L'Oreal working in their luxury beauty um, division and then transitioned into fashion working at, um, at fashion houses like Calvin Klein the Levy Group, Betsy Johnson, Vera Wang, specifically um, the licensing group under the Levy Group, and then kind of just working throughout several different industries. So I've been in the game for about, um, at this point, maybe almost 13 years, 12, 13 years. Um, I love what I do. I'm super passionate about um, communications and PR for several different reasons. Um, it, I think that within our community, there's that void 
when we talk about who's telling our stories, how mm. our to- stories are being told, and who's um, who's who's actually the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I consider myself a gatekeeper, and what that means within my industry is you have the media outlets, you have the brands, personality yeah. people, right? And sometimes um, you know there are a lot of small businesses, great people doing amazing things, but they may not necessarily know how to um, reach their audiences right. or communicate their story. So I serve as that gatekeeper. My relationships with the media across the board. I use that and I leverage that to be able to tell the stories um, of those who matter for the most part. So super, um, super important, I think. And as you Absolutely. know, this, you, you have a medium as well. So you understand the importance of media for the most part when it comes to telling our stories, which have been for the most part, really poorly told. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I think it's important to to be able to be that gatekeeper and tell the positive stories that are yeah. happening. They're just the dope shit that we're doing all across the board. So, so real quick, uh, not to cut you yeah. off, I already got a question. Like, yeah. like I'm curious, what you say our stories are told in a negative way and maybe not to the best of like, can you dive into your perspective on like, what are some of the things you've seen and yeah. uh, what specifically you mean by that? I would love to know. Oh man, there's so many. I think when we look at the media and we see what's happening, like the news, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think when we see when we see the news, mm-hmm. we see um, black and brown faces like ourselves, yeah. right? We're either like our stories are just, we are either, you know, committing a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, they're projecting us like we're in, in poverty, right? We're mm-hmm. illegal immigrants. We, um, we're lazy, just all kinds of negative stereotypes that you see. And I think we, 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 we saw that with the Trump administration and that's talk politics, but we saw a lot of that during that administration, but there's so many positive stories. There's amazing, um, Latin and black entrepreneurs out there, right? Leaders, um, healthcare professionals, teachers, just, just amazing people in our community that are doing really great things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that story isn't necessarily highlighted as right. much in media. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Love that. Love that. That's big time. You said something earlier in the beginning of, of your conver- of, of the conversation. You said community. You said you've been in pretty much New York your, your whole life. How important is it for you to um, stick around in your community um, and, and I guess be that positive light in your community? Because I know, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like, hey, in order for me to become successful, in order for me to be somebody, I have to I have to leave. Maybe you have to come back at some point. Um, and, and we're not saying like one decision is better than the other, but um, in your perspective, what made you stick around and not leave and like want to like, you know, I'm going to make my mark right here um, in, in my community. Yeah, I, I think, and not to sound arrogant, but I think, um, but why would we? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? What is it that makes makes you feel right mm-hmm. that we need to leave our community? Mm-hmm. Is it like, and I think this is what the media, this goes back to the media, right? Like mm-hmm. I think the American dream has been sold in a way where we feel like we need to right live in white communities, go mm-hmm. to white schools, yeah. live, yeah. work with with within white companies, right? Yeah. So where there's so much just culture and amazing things within our community. A lot of talent. I mean, the Italian in our community is amazing, right? Yeah. The intelligence in our community is there. There's just, there's so much. So I think we need to learn how to foster mm-hmm. what we have in our community as opposed to leave and then bring our talents elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of our, and, and I, and I get it, right? Like we, we feel like, okay, we've made it. Now we need to be in communities where it's considered right high net worth, or maybe mm-hmm. amongst people who we feel like right, it, it, where we, 
ideally feel like, okay, this is the vision and where we see ourselves, but that that's not necessarily true. There's so much in our community. And I think one good example is gentrification is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. We're leaving, but our communities are being gentrified. Why is it that our communities are being gentrified? There's something here that we're not seeing, that other folks are seeing. They're coming right. into our communities, right, and gentrifying our community, but we need to stay within. And that can only happen when we don't stay within our community. When we leave our communities and then we don't, right, bring back the dollars within our community, right, foster creativity, improve our education, start amazing restaurants, businesses locally, then gentrification necessarily wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. No, 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 absolutely. The way we kind of like uh, preach it on the podcast is like, look, um sometimes in life you you want to elevate you want to grow and sometimes you may have to get around other people to expand your mindset and to expand your environment right and even whether it's your network or whatever it is but what we also say sometimes it's more powerful to create your own table and your own Mm -hmm. environment instead of you trying to jump ship to to the person that's up here that already has their table that already has their quote unquote, their, their crew or whatever. Sometimes there's more power in just being where you're at and elevating the people that are around you and, and going from there. Absolutely. And I think working it, so being in marketing, I, I think it's important for us to know that because the brands know that companies know that, right? There are huge, huge budgets being allocated yeah. to, to marketing departments to, to, to find a way to tap into our community. Why are they so eager to tap in, into our communities? Because the dollars are here right? Yeah. The, the, the influences here. Yeah. So I think we recognize we the power that we have. We shift the culture. Right. We absolutely shift the culture. We're culture shifters. Yeah. It happens within our community first. Right. Yeah. So I think, I, I think, and even working in marketing, I noticed like, you know, a lot of companies would, would like their budgets are, are massively huge to tap into our community. However, they're not really tapping into it the right way. Mm for the most part. So I think if we understand that we don't necessarily need to go anywhere else, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I started my business, right. Spe- mm-hmm. Specifically to focus on black and brown owned businesses and my revenues have tripled when I left working for corporate America. Wow. I've worked like, I mean, I'm working half as hard as I did before. Mm-hmm. So when I worked in corporate America, I was working twice as hard as everyone else. Cause they tell you have to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. So you work two, three times as hard and you're not making the money that you should be making for the efforts that are made. When I went into entrepreneurship and started working on my own and Mm -hmm. specifically focused on black and brown old businesses, my revenues just completely Mm -hmm. jumped because there's money in our community. Not only that, but there's opportunity. Just there's opportunity everywhere. And we have to be able to understand and value what our community has to offer and not necessarily think that we, we need to work, you know, for you know who I'm talking about for us to be able Absolutely. to be successful because yeah, that's it. not necessarily Absolutely. what it is at all. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I want to kind of dive into what you spoke about on our phone call, our initial phone call. Um, and you kind of brought it up in the beginning of this conversation where you said, Hey, um, don't mind my language. Some Spanglish might come out, but I oh. embraced it. Right. You said embrace, you said the word yeah. embrace. Um, talk about your transition from corporate America into entrepreneurship, because that involved you at some point to embrace who you are and you know your passions and whatnot to to go after what you believe in if that makes sense yeah so i guess i can start um and i know there's a whole lot (laughs) 
there was a whole <laughs> lot that you were think when um when all this started so i'm gonna say so you can walk you know, us through like you know when when you got into the corporate world gotcha. you right. know what i'm all saying right. and then how okay. what made you shift into entrepreneurship you're like oh, something God. isn't right you know i gotta bet on myself and my community you can start there Right. So, well, first, I kind of wanted when and I'm not trying to dominate a thing, no, but I want to start it. back because this is I think there's there's steps to to where I've gotten today. And I think that started even from right. Like my like I want to go back to the struggles. Right. Mm-hmm. So in New York City specifically, and I can't speak to any and I'm, I'm it's probably the same in, in many other cities in New York City, major cities. So in New York City, even though it's this big melting pot. Right. Apparently it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, however, um, there's a, there's there's communities are very much segregated when it comes to mm-hmm. where people live. True. Um, so I grew up in the Bronx and I can tell you that growing up in the Bronx, um, going to public school, I saw not one white face at any of my classrooms, mm. like at all. So um, I grew up with the notion of racism doesn't exist mm. um, because I wasn't. I was around black and brown faces. So I didn't experience mm-hmm. racism. I didn't understand syst- systematic racism. I didn't understand that I was lacking. I didn't understand schools being under underfunded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, food deserts, all of these things that impact our community through systematic racism that's still very much intact today. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that because I wasn't exposed to anything else, but what I saw. So when I was in high school, which um, at that time, what, which, what I know this now, at that time, I did not know this. Um, I went to what was considered one of the worst schools in the city. Mm. Um, out of the class, only about 30% graduate. Wow. And from the 30% that do graduate, most of them are considered illiterate. And wow. from that bunch, um, about 2% or less actually go to an accredited university, uh, meaning a state or mm-hmm. above, right? Not a community college or anything like that. Actually, you know, mm-hmm. get accepted into an accredited university where their 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 ability to compete in the workforce mm-hmm. is is you know can can be achieved. Right. Um, so so starting from that, right? So I so now I'm going into FIT and the Fashion Institute of Technology is is at that time when I went. I mean, it was predominantly white mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. So I went into um, FIT and I was like, I felt like I was in a different world. Mm-hmm. Like straight up, I felt like I was like, wait, hold on. Like, this is white people? Like, white folk? Like, it was yeah. just completely. And where's I was the school? Shocked. Not to cut you off, where's the school located in New York? In New York. So it's it's in the Chelsea area. Got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it's in the Chelsea area. It's, it's like totally the different. top two fashion schools in, in really in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going into this, the school, right. Um, I just, I was, I felt like I just, I just stuck out. Right. I didn't belong. I didn't feel comfortable within my own skin. I didn't feel, I started noticing and being more, um, insecure about mm-hmm. my mannerisms, the way that, the way that I spoke, right. Like little things that were, that I didn't even think about when I was in high school because all my friends we talk mm-hmm. the same way we have the slang we look the same we dress the same like all of that going into college I I felt like I was like wait a minute this I almost felt like I didn't really belong and then I o- also felt I felt like 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 I felt like I, that was the first time where I really felt poor you know and I and I didn't grow up rich like my parents were working class right like my mother 
worked at a factory. My father was a taxi driver, super hardworking. Um, and I never felt poor. I felt poor mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't have access to things. And I felt um, th- that was the first time where I, where I felt that way. And that didn't feel good. Um, and that was, so that was one obstacle. The second major obstacle is, so when I was in high school, I, like I was in honors English and I did pretty fairly good, right. To be able to be one of the 2% to, to go to, um, an accredited university. Um, however, when I, I remember doing an assignment, a, a written assignment and my professor, um, I get it, I get, I get it back. And it's like, I mean, I basically get a D right. And he told me that, you know, my grammar is really, really, really bad. Mm. And that I'm basically at an eighth grade level in terms of my reading and writing abilities. So that just shows you that I'm thinking I'm at the top of the class. But when I go here, I'm in the bottom. That means our educate what we're how we're being educated isn't the same. So how can we possibly compete when we're six steps back? So that's another major obstacle, right? So I noticed that, but I've always had like, I was always, my parents were really proud of me. I was super ambitious. I was very passionate. I was I'm very, I was very lucky to be at a school doing something that I was super passionate about because that drew me. If I just went to a regular, you know, a college, I didn't know, which most students don't know what they want to do, right? They're just like, I'm, I don't know what I want to do. I probably would have dropped out because I didn't mm-hmm. have that passion. I didn't have that passion. That's like, no, I want to work in this industry. This is what I want to do. I'm going to continue to do this. Like I had that passion from a very young age. Had I not had that, which is completely okay. I mean, I probably would have dropped out, Mm. which is very common in my, in our communities because they don't, they, they can't, they can't figure it out and they don't know. And they don't have that mentorship. They don't have that guidance. So I was up against all of that um, in college, but I still, you know, kind of, studied extra hard, um, participated in class, worked hard. And I think my professor saw that I made it on the Dean's list the second year. So I ended up doing pretty well ended up getting internships, um, and just work. I just remember always working really, really, really hard and always like being like in the front of like, just, I just had to make sure I was like two steps ahead because I felt like academically I couldn't compete Mm -hmm. straight up. I felt like academically I wasn't as prepared as they were. So I had to like overcompensate in other ways. Mm. And I felt that same way throughout my internships. Like in my internship at Lori, um, Lancome L'Oreal, you know, the girls would like leave, you know, after six and, and go do whatever their thing. I would say that to 9 p.m. Mm. just to make sure that they saw me and that I worked harder than everyone else. And that I was I was noticed mm. that way I can get a job. Right. Because I didn't have I didn't have. I didn't have connections. I, I mean, I came from the Bronx. Like most of these girls had like their mom and their dad knew someone or they had like, you know, they they became friends with the assistants or the managers because they had that commonality, right? They either went to the same schools, grew up in the same neighborhoods, had the same interests. I mean, I'm a girl from the Bronx. I don't mm-hmm. play the same sports. I didn't have right. the same interests. I didn't speak like they spoke. I didn't have, you know, like... I didn't have a house in the Hamptons or mm-hmm. like, and I also worked my work in fashion and beauty. So it's very, very like elite oh, and right. That, mm-hmm. that sort of crowd that it attracts. Mm-hmm. So I just knew I had to kind of overwork and work hard to, to mm-hmm. be seen. So I did a lot of that. And I feel like I'm kind of going off the course of what <laughs> we're talking about, but that, I mean, I, well, no, we're talking about the struggle. So that was yeah. kind of my struggle. So also like I had to, to assimilate 
Mm-hmm. And the way, I mean, you see my hair like this, my mm-hmm. hair was straight. I was wow. straight in my hair. Mm-hmm. I didn't even wear my hair natural. I was straight in my hair. I remember losing a lot of weight. I remember, um, and it's just also fashion, not necessarily just, um, it was just like the fashion industry. And I know not to talk shit about the fact. Can we curse on this? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> not to talk shit about the you know, fashion industry, but imagine that, right? So mm-hmm. um, I just didn't, I just didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. within my own skin. Yeah. And I didn't feel comfortable and confident. In, in, in who I was. And I also do think, however, that also played a part in, in just not, even though I worked hard, I don't think that I used my, 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 my natural talents yeah. as well, because I wasn't comfortable with who I was. I'm sorry. So what was the point where you were like, enough is enough, where the switch turns on and you're like, yo, I have to double down on myself i have to start believing in myself and i have to start walking in, in truly who i am right and then you so start going I, under, go ahead yeah so i could tell you so i got this job um and i think i slowly started gaining confidence and mm-hmm. like i think the confidence in just building my career and experience and now then you know that slowly happened but when i fully was like you know what this is like i I got this job um, in, um, at this agency in New York, uh, in Soho. Um, and at that time, it was interesting because I was at, it was at it was at a time in my life where I was about to quit my industry. I just mm-hmm. felt like I was over it. Like I just had a hard time working at agencies. I had a hard time with the politics around it. All of that was just exhausting. And um, and I think it was. I, I got this role at this agency and I think that was like, you know what, this is going to be my last try. Mm. If it don't work out here, then I'm just going to go back to grad schools, change my careers, figure out what it is that I need to do in my life. Not one time did I think about like multicultural marketing. Mm. Did I think about, you know, like any of that. So I got this job at this agency and it's, I mean, it's not multicultural at all. However, it was an agency where I remember um, my boss at that time who hired me told me, I knew you were a natural born publicist as soon as I met you. Mm. And when she said that to me, I just felt like, wow, like she saw me. She, she really likes, like, it was, it was just something that like, I couldn't understand. Like she saw me and not only that, everything else that kind of like, she just ignored the quirks that I was always super criticized for. Mm-hmm. She didn't even comment on those things. Like she, did not comment on like just any of the things that like some of the common things that you hear a lot in corporate it's like oh you know your communication skills can improve or mm-hmm. like little things are like you know that has has to do with our manner the way we we, we grow. like I remember one time someone says I talk with my hands too much and mm-hmm. I realized that now they didn't realize that this is like a Puerto Rican thing this yeah. is like a Latin thing we talk with our hands like we just do that so the fact that she didn't know that and that, then I'm like sitting with my hands, like just make sure I don't move. Mm. But when you do that, right, you're not now you're you're not comfortable in speaking. You're, you're not yourself. Busy, yeah. You're trying to be like, don't move your hands, don't move your hands. And so, you know, things like that where she didn't really care. Um, and not only that, she also allowed me to kind of own my account. So like mm. I remember owning and by owning, I mean, like I just kind of ran, you know, four or five accounts at that time. She just let me roll with it. And from then, when I noticed that she gave me like true ownership, you know, it's where I'm getting that ownership, where she gave me true ownership of the on these accounts, 
I was able to like really, really bring a lot of results because I, I, I used my own crea- creative abilities and mm-hmm. I'm owning these accounts and it's my strategy. And it, it just, it, it, it gave me the motivation and it also made me grow, you know, this sector um, into something that I didn't think I was, I would have been able to do had I not been able to own these accounts mm-hmm. and run with them. So I was with this company's agency for about three years. I started, I remember um, someone hit me up on the side and was like, hey, I know you're doing really great work. Would you, you know, help me do PR for my startup um, on the side or something like that? And I was like, thinking about it, I'm like, I could do, I could do this. I'm already running this. I could do this on the side. Mm-hmm. I was super nervous about it. Cause I'm like, oh man, like it's my own, it's my name behind it. It's like me. But I ended up doing really, really, really well. So one account grew through two accounts, three, four. I kind of just, my recommendations just started kind of coming. Mm -hmm. So um, I think at that time, I got to like five different accounts. And I just decided I could do it on my own. And I just left, you know, the Mm -hmm. company um, who I still have a a great relationship with today. And I still help them and consult with them and work with them till this day. Um, And I just started growing my business that way. Mm And just doing it on my own. And it's great because I, I, I notice that people hire me because I bring something different mm-hmm. that other agencies don't necessarily bring. And that's yeah. passion, purpose. And, and most of my business is a black and brown owned business for the most mm-hmm. part. Not all of them, but most of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, being able to find someone that is passionate about telling their stories and know how, knows how to tell those stories. I think that's really what makes us different from any other agency. No, yeah, that's beautiful. So I want to transition a little bit and I want to dive into what exactly you guys do at Creative Voices PR. Like, What are some of the ser- services that you offer? You you kind of mentioned like you are managing different accounts, but what does that consist of um, at your agency? So we're, we're basically, okay, so what we do is we help bring publicity to a person, a mm-hmm. business, right, or an organization. So mm-hmm. um, PR is, is, is the beauty of, of maintaining positive relationships with your public. But for the most part, most people hire us because they just want to get publicity. Mm-hmm. They want to get their name, their business out they there. They want to build awareness um, or something. They want to get awareness. Gotcha. Um, they want to bring credibility to whatever it is that they're doing. Um, recognition. It just, it depends on the business. For, but for the more, it's just to get their name out there mm-hmm. and to get it out there in the best way too, because mm-hmm. that's important. Not all PR is good PR. So mm-hmm. it's important to, to, um, to tell the stories in the right way. So we have people to say, so when, when people say, not to cut you off again, when people say um, all publicity is good publicity, that's not, that's not good. That's BS. It's not, of course it's BS because if you're selling, okay. If you're, for example, if you, if you're saying this water bottle and you get, and someone, uh, a food writer mm-hmm. drinks this water, listen to say water bottle, let's say it's juice. You create, mm-hmm. you, have, you have your own juice brand. Mm-hmm. And the food reporter at, let's say, Bon Appetit is like who writes, you know, mm-hmm. who covers food, drinks the food. It's I over. mean, drinks the, the juice, and they're like, "This is terrible," and then writes about <laughs> it, and then everyone's saying it's terrible. That's publicity, but that's yeah. bad publicity. Now, no one's going to buy your juice, yeah. so not all PR is good PR, for sure. It definitely isn't. So, so people about- hire PR to combat bad PR. Got you. No, not. I'm saying like, what about in respect to like some of these celebrities that be saying it that are just like, look, I got people talking about me either way, whether it's good or bad. You know, what, what do you think about that? That's different. Um, okay. 
you know, it depends on what the goal of the celebrity is, right? Like they're not, not all celebrities are like that. Some celebrities are very much about, they're very careful about the media yeah. outlets that they're in. They're very careful about their, their, their branding, their mm-hmm. positioning, their voice. Um, I have to say this as a publicist behind the scenes mm-hmm. and sometimes with brands, we, um, and this is why celebrities and people who are inspiring to be maybe a celebrity should really be careful about that because you can lose a lot of money in the long yeah. run when you have bad publicity, True. bad publicity, because True. a lot of big companies with big dollars are saying, okay, I'm going to launch this, this clothing line. And we want to take on two or three spokespeople, right? Because that's how you're going to get your money really for the most part, right? It's through a lot of sponsorship, brand sponsorships, um, um, commercial, like you, you want these deals. Um, but if you have bad pu- publicity, now you just missed on that potential multi-million dollar deal from this mm-hmm. brand because they don't want to be associated with bad press. Mm-hmm. So you you want to be careful about that. Um, you know, some people can some people use bad press in the beginning to mm-hmm. kind of get their name out, and then once they yeah. get their name out, they pivot and then maybe they start doing things to create yeah. good publicity. But the long run is right good publicity and it, it really just depends on the on, on the brand and the goal like it, it depends on the person and what you want but i always say you want some good publicity so w- when you're when you're in this obviously you're in this space for a while and i said 13 years can you notice and point out when someone's like okay that that's a pr move that they just did that's something all the time. They, okay all the time but sometimes some pr moves are organic it's like so the beauty about pr is it's it can be very organic so sometimes people can have like and it happens all the time. Sometimes some of the business we get are from people who've had organic PR and they didn't know that this happened. So for example, a restaurant owner um, wakes up and their restaurant has just been featured in the New York Times. Mm. And they're just like, oh my God. And then now they're getting an influx of people coming in. Good. And then they're like, oh my God. How, like All because maybe this New York Times reporter was walking by the restaurant just secretly went into the restaurant, wanted to try it, right? Wrote about it. Now it's public. And now they're like, oh my God, this is great. What, like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, you were on the New York Times. And they're like, how can we continue to keep this going? And they're like, (laughs) oh, we, you need to hire a PR person because what happened doesn't happen often. Now you need to hire a PR person to continue to make that happen for you. So So, that's a lot of, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I mean, that's basically, I, I, I go off sometimes. I love no, what I so do. I'm often. saying, um, yeah. how often do you guys work with like influencers? Because when you just said organically, you know, I'm thinking of like TikTok, like somebody's going to a restaurant on TikTok, they post a video, it goes viral. And then people want to go to that restaurant, just like you yeah. just said. So you said you, you work with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it depends on how, so there's different ways to get your brand out there and get exposure, Mm -hmm. right? There's, you can work with influencers, you can work with celebrities, you can work with the media, you Mm -hmm. can, um, you can work in the media. When we talk about media, we're talking about radio, broadcast, Mm -hmm. print, online podcast, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we mean by media. Um, you can do events, um, for the most part. So, there, there are many different ways. So sometimes influencers, a lot of brands would tap in influencers. So they'll mm-hmm. say, hey, we want to do this influencer activation. We get want to get a whole bunch of influencers with great following to talk about us. So mm-hmm. we would wrangle these influencers. 
to, however, a lot of these influencers are do acts for money because that's, mm-hmm. that's how they get their, a lot of, that's how they get paid. That's how they make their yes. money. Whereas with traditional media outlets, like, you know, newspaper print, um, they're, they're not supposed to do that because they're, they're journalists and they're reporters. So they're reporting mm-hmm. the news and they really have a sad salary anyway from the media um, companies that are paying them. And that's also journalistic, you know, that's just, you lose credibility as a journalist when you, yeah. you know, or news when you, you have yeah. to pay. Right. So you don't want to do that. Um, and we call that earned media, but then inf- influencers are more paid media. Mm-hmm. Um, although some influencers do shit for free. If they really love oh, yeah, a product absolutely. or a brand, you know, we sometimes will send, if we're working with a beauty product, we'll send, we'll have a list of 50 influencers and, and their mailing addresses and we'll just send them the line. Yeah. And sometimes they're like, hey guys, we just got this, you know, lipstick from Fenty and I love it. And then that's, you know, and they may not, <laughs> yeah. they may not ask money, but they really love it. And they, they'll do it, you know, they'll do it for, because they love it or they do it because yeah. they hope to get a partnership from Fenty or something like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, I got a friend who, he he um, owns a beauty brand and he's absolutely killing it. And he was telling me like the biggest way that he grows it, his his business is simply through influencer marketing. And he says, I don't, I think he told me he's like, he hasn't paid anybody. He just sends people free he stuff. He just sends them stuff and, and they are, use it and they like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. crazy. That, so, means, that means the product is really good. That yeah. means that, you know, if, if the product, um, because we do, that's part of the PR tactic that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll, do what we call mailers and that means putting together a beautiful box and you know we'll put together 20 30 50 of them we'll mm-hmm. send it to celebrities i had a client who um an author and she has this children's book book um mm-hmm. called wise and she was like we need to get it to jessica alba this would be great she talks about like raising you know conscious kids and i think mm-hmm. she'll love this book and i'm like we'll send it to her but the rates of her like getting it posting it like it happens though mm-hmm. if they really love it if they love the product so you have to understand your product your market who you're targeting and making sure that if you're going to go that route just just make sure you do your homework mm-hmm. um so she's like let's get it to them we got it to Jessica Alba didn't hear Matt back maybe three months later she posted it on Instagram she opened it up she loved it and it was on her stories mm-hmm. so like it happens all the time you know yeah. we just you just got to make sure that, you know, you're very purposeful in, in your strategy and yeah. how you're presenting things. And then you're targeting the right influencers and the right mm-hmm. celebrities. And you're reaching out to their PR people and their managers and you're getting the Cause they'll, they'll give you the address and they'll, and you just send it to them. They have a closet full of stuff that they get every month. And they wow. go okay. So, okay. Now we got a couple more minutes. I want to get a couple more questions in um, two questions real quick. One when should a company or business look to hire a PR company or is, is that even for some, everybody? Like, would you recommend that to everybody? I and think so- when you're, I would recommend it for everyone, but I don't, I mean, that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. It depends on where you are in your business. Mm-hmm. So if you have a product that you're looking to um, sell, it, well, it depends on your budget. Mm-hmm. Right. Like some people are like, OK, I have a very limited budget and I'm launching this product and I want to get it. I want to reach my consumer. Um, I'd say don't do PR unless this, the product is available for sale, because sometimes companies or brands will be like, oh, I'm coming up with this clothing line and I want you to do PR for it. I want to get the hype. I want everyone to talk about it. I'm like, but is it available now? Because the media is not going to write about it if their audience can't buy it now. So it needs the product. I would say make sure the product is ready. 
Um, so that the meat and not just because it just that's just like a media thing. Like they might say, I mean, not all the time, unless you're like a celebrity and you want to talk about it and you're like, oh, I'm launching something next year. But you it's out of sight, out of mind. like you want to stay on top of the mind of the consumer. So right. a lot of times a consumer, if they're reading something, uh, reading about the product, the brand, then most likely they're going to investigate it right then and there. They're not going to remember it a month later, two mm-hmm. months later when it's launched. So you want to make sure that your product is available for sale um, when you're ready to, if you're ready to do PR, but then PR can be reputation. If you're just trying to, you know, build your reputation, you're trying to get pop in, you want people to talk about you, know about you, like get PR, but be, let it be newsworthy. Let me tell you something. So many people like, all right, like reach out to me and they're like, Hey, can you do my PR? I'm like, okay, what you got going on? you have nothing to go. So what am I, what am I work? Like, you know, like sometimes yeah. just don't understand, like, I can't, I need something newsy from you. Like, are you coming out with something new? Mm-hmm. Are you launching a product? Are you doing something great for yeah. your community? Why should, because that's what the reporters are going to say. They're going to be like, why should I write about your client? Mm-hmm. Why should I cover them? Why should I feature them? Like, what's your reason? It can't and, be. And I almost feel like if, is the reporter or is the, the journalist, if they're asking you that question, that might be a sign that you got to take a step back. And maybe For sure. Some- they wouldn't even ask me that question. They just won't ask my emails. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, oh, they'll be, and that's my reputation too. So like, it's like, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't work magic. Right. Like the yeah. PR is half the battle. Like we, like you got to give me something. I, so, you know. So what about, what about like a podcast? W- would that be enough? Or would you say like, okay, you have the podcast, but you would need to build it out a little bit more. Or you would want to see a little bit more. What are your thoughts about that? And have you ever I worked with to like get the, to get a podcast out? Um, I think um, it needs to be. Well, the the beauty of like being you have your own media platform, so it's mm-hmm. a it's a you know you can you can promote. But if you're but okay, no, that's I okay. So I would say to get your podcast, you need to have an influential person tied to the podcast, mm-hmm. and you need to have some influential guests. So if you, you know, I think that would be key because, you know, let's say you have a, you know, uh, you know, Fat Joe love that, mm-hmm. on your podcast or something like that, like build these influential guests. So when you're pitching, when you're pitching it and you can't pitch, you have to also media, they compete with each other. Right. So you mm-hmm. have to know who you're pitching. So a podcast, I would be pitching that to maybe an online news outlet, like the top the newest podcast to listen to who um and then maybe include featured guests fat mm-hmm. joel this person like it needs to yeah. be um i think that's going to be the news tied to mm-hmm. it is the fact that there is some influential guests Got you. that are there um mm-hmm. and that what are you offering you is and you and then something that hasn't been offered before mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. i think it's also the messaging to working on the messaging and working on like what makes this podcast so dope and so different from any other podcast? What am I like? What void? That's a good word. What void am I filling that mm-hmm. I haven't that hasn't been that hasn't been filled yet? Mm-hmm. So That's I'd true. say try to communicate what that void is, and then also the media loves stats. Mm-hmm. I think if you can include something that says, um, you know the latinx and i'm just using your podcast for example mm-hmm. the latinx can um gen z um gets most of their information via podcast mm-hmm. let's say 55 percent. like i'm just putting it out yeah. there 
um, via podcast. However, only 2% of podcasts are Latin owned, mm. you know, like I yeah. think finding these stats that yeah. immediately be like, oh, wow, whoa, there's a void. Like they love stats, um, get some, some well-known celebs or something like that. But I know that's hard to do, yeah. but to be quite honest, not really because everyone loves media and, yeah. and, and like, you know, you can just get in good with a good publicist be like, yo, I just need like five minutes. Like, just give mm-hmm. me five minutes. I'll go to your show. You know, just, just as long as you get there, you, all you need, have them say like, you know, a few things and then you can, you can use that and leverage mm-hmm. that. Um, I think it's a good way to get your podcast going. Absolutely. Um, running out of time. It's, it's been yeah. a phenomenal conversation. I want to get you out of here on time. Um, right. I, I can probably talk to you for like another hour, two hours, <laughs> so, but I want to be respectful to respectable of your time. Um, you know, thank you for coming on here. You know, one thing I always ask my guests is yeah. who is one person in your opinion that needs to be on the Latin wealth podcast and you got to have some type of relationship or access to them. I know you said Fat Joe. Fat Joe, we, we want to make that happen. So he, he's we're going to put that in the atmosphere and say, you know, you that's going to happen one day. My, you know Masaya is? Masaya, the mm-hmm. Dominican rapper. Um, he did the remix to Cardi B. I love to see him on this podcast. Oh. We're the ca- on campaign with him with Buchanan's. Okay. And he, he, he's, he's a dope. He's, he's dope. Okay. Okay. He might be really great to to get on this podcast. So we'll see if we can make that happen. All right. Let's do it for sure. Well, once, absolutely. Well, once again, we appreciate you jumping on. Um, You gave us a lot of information in a short amount of time. Uh, Where can people reach out to you if they have any questions they want to work with you or if they just want to connect with you? Um, you can reach, I mean, my Instagram, um, well, my business is creative voices, PR. Um, so creative voices could be plural voices. So mm-hmm. creative voices, PR.com. Um, I also have an Instagram as well. Uh, my name is Madeline Familia. My Instagram handle is Maddie Familia. Familia is actually my last name. Um, <laughs> all right. So you can um, find me on that. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Dope, dope. And we'll leave the links to everything in the description yeah. of this podcast. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at Latin Wealth on Instagram to get updates and more content and whatnot. Um, share this with one of your friends and family that need to hear this information. This was a phenomenal episode. And with that being said, we're checking out. See you guys next week. Peace. Bye.